listening to episode 199 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our journey through season one of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. And we almost weren't able to record this week, so you want to tell everybody what happened? Well, yeah, I was playing a lacrosse game, and I um, tore my Achilles tendon. Ah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So it's been, since then, it's been kind of like a lot of doctor's appointments and haven't been back to work yet, but, uh, you know, I really wanted to get in this, this episode. So there, there, there's my dedication to you guys out there. Yeah. And I mean, I certainly didn't tear my Achilles tendon, but I, I had issues with it. And, and one of the things I learned that I'm sure you're going to learn if you haven't already is that the blood flow to the Achilles tendon is just not that great, which is why it takes so long to heal. So hopefully, you know, you're still a young guy. Maybe it won't take as long. Yeah, well, it's going to be it's going to be about a year before I'm you know 100 percent back to being able to. Which people I'm sure will say stupidly play lacrosse again, but that's probably exactly what I'll do. Yeah, well, you know, I guess you could get hurt in worse ways. Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know. We'll see a year from now. We'll see how I'm feeling. But uh, you know, until then, just would be happy. I'm looking forward to about uh, maybe. Six months, six weeks down the road, when I can uh, walk around, I think I should be able to walk around by then with a boot on. Yeah, um, but but I'm not. I can't because it's my right foot. That's even like the next kicker. Like it's my right foot, so that means I can't drive for. I don't even know how long. Wow. Probably a couple months. Well, fortunately, we're at the end of the school year, so you just got to get through about. Uh, well, you probably won't make all ten days or however many are left, but you know, yeah, maybe a few. We'll see. Yeah, we got you covered. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. All right. Well, before we get to the show we're going to talk about tonight, we want to remind you we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab record your own audio clip send us the mp3 as an attachment or just tweet us at sci-fi tv rewatch and as always we encourage you to consider joining the facebook group and join the discussions there so uh i I had a rather lengthy facebook post which i'm not sure you saw because that was like in the middle of all your uh uh, you know, your injury and doctor's appointment and, and all that. But but obviously we decided on Dollhouse. And, and as we said a few times, you know, because the shows that were under consideration are all relatively short season shows, it's, it's pretty darn likely that we'll end up doing one of the other ones that, that didn't get chosen this time around. You say that's that's fair? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a nice little to-do list we got now. Yeah, so whether Man in the High Castle, Sense8, which Sense8 keeps mocking me every time I go to Netflix, which is, as I said last time, I now have, and, and I'm pretty sure it's not going anywhere, especially since my wife's figured out how to use the PlayStation 3 remote and you know, <laughs> finding a lot she likes on there. We're actually, we're watching a show called The Crown right now, which is actually pretty good. About yeah, that. That, that, yeah. Have you seen some of that? I- I haven't seen it, but I know that's that got a lot of buzz. So yeah, Queen Elizabeth. Yep, and and it's funny because I, I you didn't watch Victoria, right? I did that. So uh, you know, with another uh, Doctor Who alum it, it playing Victoria, and, and like there where they've got Jenna Coleman playing Victoria, who in real life Victoria was not really that attractive, and the well, same, maybe when she was younger, yeah. You know. I, I, 
I've seen photos. All right, I've seen paintings. Okay. I, did they have photos back then? Right, I, I doubt they had photos. No, they well, probably. They, yeah, they probably. Did. No, you're right. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know. they had photos like in the Civil War, right? So she right. was. She started serving. What she became queen in the 1870s, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, I'm really yeah. probably showing my ignorance right now. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Claire Foy plays Queen Elizabeth II in, in this in this show, and Matt Smith plays her husband, Philip. And uh, oh, I was about to just say, mention a comment about the ladies of Doctor Who getting work and the dudes not so much. You know, and, and the interesting thing is, and I said this to my wife, the greatest compliment I could pay Matt Smith is that I forgot immediately that he was Doctor Who. Although I must say there was one scene in particular that he was Doctor Who. It was very brief, yeah. but it's like, dude, <laughs> you're Doctor Who Do you again. Like- pull out a screwdriver yeah no he didn't pull out a screwdriver but it was just <laughs> it was just his manner of speaking the, the right. lines at that point but uh you know if you're into stuff like that it's it's definitely worth checking out oh, philip's scottish right is he rocking the scottish accent here? uh yeah no there's a and, posh english accent. well you know, without getting too far into it he's apparently a, a lot of different things so one one of which was he has a greek background or else a greek title or i forget anyway wow so, so I'm just showing all kinds of ignorance when it comes to uh, British royalty. To our British listeners, I apologize. I didn't. I should have actually. You know, next time you're going to spring a conversation like this on me, just give me a heads up so I do a little research. I will. <laughs> or not. All right. Anyway. Or not. <laughs> all right. Well, look. Let's talk about Dollhouse because th- this let's is a show it. that you know it, it, the way I discovered it was listening to Jay and Jack and the Lost podcast and. On the one hand, you know, for a couple of weeks, they were talking about BSG this, BSG that. Well, I finally Googled BSG, and that's how I, of course, discovered Battlestar Galactica. And the same thing, they kept mentioning Dollhouse, 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 Dollhouse. I sound like uh, the episode we're going to talk about. And, you know, that's how I found it and, and just checked it out. I mean, did you see it live when it first aired? I did, actually. I was I was on ground zero with Dollhouse. Um I had watched um, uh, Firefly, right, and was just, you know, like when this new show came about and they said from Joss Whedon, I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to watch that. You know, and it looked pretty, uh, you know, right from the start, it looked pretty um, compelling. So, so yeah, I watched this one uh, week to week, the old-fashioned way. Yeah, see, I mean, for me, I, I came to all of these late, in- including Firefly, and-, and certainly we still got Buffy on the radar. And, you know, maybe sometime, but, you know, for me, it it was like, God, how did I miss this show? Because the one we're going to talk about tonight is episode one of season one. It's entitled Ghost, and it was written and directed by Joss Whedon, aired on February 13th, 2009. So, I mean, I certainly was pretty busy at school and certainly pretty busy still coaching, but again, it's not as if I didn't watch TV, so I'm not sure how I missed it, but. I did. Now, uh, you know, as we said, this is kind of Whedon's return to television after Buffy, Angel, Firefly had all ended their runs. And, you know, there was a lot of buzz surrounding the show. And, and one of the things that I learned, and and, and again, I, you know, I, I'm sure Wayne knows this, but there was one unaired episode entitled Echo. 
Right. Which was That's not the one we were supposed to watch. No, 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 no. We we're supposed to watch okay. Ghost. Now, right. This was intended to be the second episode, but it just never was actually aired. It's it can be found on the season 1 DVD set. So, you know, at some point we'll decide whether or not we want to maybe watch that and talk about it. Uh because we both have the DVD set. So, you know, we'll see. I'm not sure exactly what the network's problem with it was, but, you know, there it is. Now, yeah, we should definitely watch it and then maybe we can figure out what the problem with yeah. it is. Now, series star Eliza Dushku had worked with Whedon on Buffy, of course, playing my favorite character. And when I say that, I've mentioned, I've probably seen, I mean, I've, I've seen the pilot of Buffy maybe three or four years ago. And then I've seen random episodes here and there. But the character that she plays on there, Faith, is just, I love her. I love the look. I love the attitude. And you know, I think when we finally get to that, and of course, Kevin or one of the other Buffy fans is going to come on and say, yeah, but she doesn't come till season two, three, four, or whatever. So you're going to have to watch them all. Well, maybe we will. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. Now, the, the other thing I found out is the writing staff for Dollhouse included Jed Whedon, his brother, and Jed Whedon's wife, Marissa Tancherone, who they're now, the, what the- they? I feel like I've seen their names somewhere else. Marvel's before. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I was just being- Oh, you were I just- Okay. Yeah. And, and, then, <laughs> and then the other uh, member of the writing staff, I mean, it was a big writing staff, but the, the other name you might know is Tim Manier, who was, of course, on Firefly. I think he wrote maybe four- of the 14, it was 14 episodes of Firefly, right? Or was it 13? Uh, I think so. I think four, four, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, he wrote like, you know, almost a third of them. He, he wrote for Angel, and he also wrote for X-Files. So uh, this episode, like a lot of pilots, and, and, and I just think this did such a good job of laying out so much in, I would say 42 minutes, but I think it was a little longer than 42 minutes, but but not a lot. I mean, it wasn't one of these 48-minute uh, right. pilots. Yeah, it wasn't an extra size one. It's a you know, self-contained, normal length TV show. Right. But it, they established the process that the dollhouse uses, the principal characters, how and why someone would agree to this life. And then the fact that there's law enforcement trying to bring it down. So, you know, we, we've basically got three storylines going, you know, the, the exposition where they, you know, the, the, they introduce us to the dollhouse. The, the fact that, as we said... Paul Ballard is trying to bring down the dollhouse. And then, of course, there is uh, the procedural, if you will, with the the story of the right. kidnapping engagement. So, yeah, yeah, it did a pretty good job of kind of mixing what are going to turn out to be, you know, overarching things that go from, you know, one episode to the next with then that, that self-contained story, quote-unquote, monster of the week. Yeah. Right? Now, now, I think the challenge you and I face here is that on the one hand, we've both seen the entire series as have a lot of our listeners. So we know that, but but we also know a lot of you guys have not seen it and maybe are watching it for the first time. So we're going to try to walk that, that line where, you know, we try to keep both camps happy that, that when we notice something that's really meaningful because we know what happens down the line, we'll, we'll try to maybe point that out, but then not, fill in all the details i mean it sound sound reasonable yeah and you know and there were things as i'm watching this that i had totally forgotten about dollhouse um because it you know i i watched the whole series and then i actually went back and rewatched the whole series at least once maybe even twice i don't i don't know if i rewatched this second time but 
but still there is like it was ages ago you know and um so there's loads and loads of stuff that i really don't remember you know like there were kind of vague things i remembered about characters and but um but yeah i think we just you know keep it the discussion to what we actually see here and and we're not going to speculate uh because that'd be r- ridiculous because we already know what happened. So to sit here and try and speculate what's going to happen next would be you know, disingenuous. But so we'll kind of just keep it to breaking down um, what happens. But I guess we could kind of like say, well, here's what maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah, I we'll think just, we'll know it when we come to it. Right, exactly. We'll know it when we come to it. So, right. All right. Well, we're introduced to a lot of characters. I think, you know, maybe we'll, we'll just deal with them as we come to them because most of them are instantly familiar because they're part of joss whedon's posse and you know one of my favorite versions of much ado about nothing the shakespeare comedy features a a, a number of these actors Mm -hmm. as does marvel agents of shield so you know i guess without getting into that any more and let's head right into the episode and the opening scene and, and that that line nothing is what it appears to be yeah, yeah. Which is what Adele tells Caroline Farrell, who's having second thoughts about signing away five years of her life, and and immediately we're drawn in just visually. So we're gonna call her. I'm, I'm gonna call her Dewitt. You can call her Adele if you want. But okay. I'm gonna call her Dewitt. Well, at this point, but at I this point, we don't even know. We don't know. Yeah, at this point, we don't know who she is. Well, I think we, right, right, but I think we know her name is Dewitt. We we don't know Adele is her I first name. But but again, that's not a big deal that we're revealing. Well, I mean, that. by the end of this this show, we do. But this opening scene, we have no idea. It's just two women talking to each other. Um, except, well, they do call she does call the girl caroline right so we learn early on the girl's name is caroline but then later she's going to be echo right same girl right right but you know visually i love it because the two of them sitting in that room just facing each other and dewitt with really kind of an erect posture very proper and caroline while you know she's clearly a bit younger with that kind of slouch almost as if I don't care about this, but then we learned that there's really a lot of this nervousness about what it is she's about to do. And as we said, signed five years away of her life, but we don't really know what that means at this point. And we, you know, it's brought up that, well, this is your ticket out of this mess. And we're like, what mess? Right, right. So clearly she did something. Um, She says she was just trying to make a difference. So we kind of get, that maybe what she was doing was not something she, you know, she didn't like rob a bank or, I mean, maybe she killed someone, but whatever she did, she did what she thought was, um, you know, for a good reason or a good cause. But apparently, I mean, you're right from her whole physical bearing, you can tell that she's just kind of almost resigned you know we get that what she's doing like this signing away the five years is not something she would normally be willingly a part of but that she clearly is put into a position of where she has zero options other than the one that's being offered her right now yeah and and as i said just to repeat that line that that dewitt uses nothing is what it appears to be and then she ends that scene what if actions didn't have consequences? To a large extent, that's what we learn about the dollhouse, at least in this episode. And then it jumps right into what I'll call the exposition segment of, of this 
episode with these two Japanese motorcycles racing yeah, each other. Before, before you go there, Dave, I just want to uh, address that about no consequences because that's a big theme of this episode. Uh, Topher later will also say the same thing, suggesting, well, we just wipe them clean and boom, there it is. But now we see, you know, what, what do we see throughout this whole episode is like how many things, like no matter what they try to do, what they try to predict, how much they set this up, there's so many factors and variables in there that there's loads of consequences that we're seeing here. Right. And I, yeah. I love that description that, that she brings up about the, you know, no matter how much you wipe the slate, you can still see what's written there. And right. it's really funny because it's really never happened. I don't know if it's something in the air at school, but no matter how many times I erase the board, and one of the kids has even mentioned it, that, you know, you could still see what was on there from yesterday. You know what you got? You got to use uh, Puffs Plus. Well, I'm, of course, just thinking like, yeah, Dollhouse. Huh. Right. Do I want to show that? Uh, Do I have time to show that? Can, <laughs> can I show, show it? I don't think you can. Uh, it's, it's, but, not, uh, it's not on but the But seriously, I mean, I know it's a little late in your career to, to get this advice, but Puffs Plus, for any of you out there who have uh, chalkboard issues, those things, it's just like cleaning it with a, uh, you know, with a sponge and, uh, and a bucket like we did back in the old days. You got to get with the lanolin. Okay. All right. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, all right. Well, we see these two Japanese motors. Like, I bring that up because they're not Harleys. You know, they're not that kind of they're bike. Definitely not. They they are crotch rockets. Exactly. So, uh, I, I or, believe they're uh, donor mobiles. Yeah, my sister, <laughs> right. My sister's a, an ER doc, so <laughs> that's what she calls them. All right, and they're racing down the streets of what appear to be Chinatown. I guess a lot of cities have their Chinatown, and on one of them we learn is Caroline who after spinning out throws off her helmet. So now we, yeah. you know, we, we which can... makes tons of sense. Right? <laughs> oh you yeah. Just, you just crashed. So now's the time to take off your helmet. Like she doesn't get up like, Oh shit. You know, like she gets up, loses her helmet and gets right back into it. So. Right. But now we're thinking like, okay, is this a flashback? So, you know, she gets back on the bike, continues the race, which ends inside this, I don't know, fancy hotel or restaurant, which is holding a birthday party for her opponent in the race. And like I said, we assume it's a flashback since her demeanor at the opening meeting makes it seem as if she'd be in no mood to race and then party because we get the idea that as soon as she signs whatever DeWitt's putting in front of her, she's not going anywhere. Right. And that's, that's a great point because I, you know, I didn't even think about that. Here's where having seen it before it kind of gets in the way because I didn't consider that. But probably, yeah, the first time I saw this, I thought that this was probably a flashback, right? Right. But in fact, it's a flash forward. Right. So it's now morning and she's walking down the street still wearing that short white dress that, that we saw her uh, dancing in at the party. And <laughs> Did you notice it, it looked like she was wearing that dress when they were racing, but she had black yes. leather pants. Yes, underneath. yes, she did, because she had it sticking out from the, underneath her jacket. I did see that. Yeah, but she gets into a black van that we can see. It's got all this electronic, you know, I think what we know from experience is some kind of surveillance equipment. Right. And well, before, you know, like she has like a, you know, this kind of, you know, conversation with the dude. I believe, I believe Matt, I think she says. Yeah, I think I so. Um, and he basically gives her a necklace and they, he talks about how she, she won't remember this or something like that. Um, she starts to walk away. She looks very kind of 
happy and bubbly. She's like kind of literally bouncing, I think, as she walks away with a kind of a smile on her face. And the smile just kind of disappears. And she changes course and walks straight out of the building and straight to the van. Right. And, and she's confronted by, you know, the man that we later learn his name is Boyd, who right. a- asks her if she's ready for her treatment. And it's at this point where we we're starting to kind of lose our bearings because this guy is clearly connected to her. She doesn't seem to be afraid of him. She, yeah, this is definitely the point where we are beyond the oh, this is a flashback to a previous life. Now we're like, oh, well, that I I don't I don't know what this is. I don't know where we are. Like, where are we? I, I don't understand. So right, and and then it gets even more confusing when the van pulls up to a facility, which we learn is the dollhouse, and there are a whole bunch of other black vans other men and other attractive women. And we're thinking like, okay, well, what is this like a high class prostitute ring? But right. Or yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, we, I don't know if I went there, but yeah, like it was, it was, it's something, right? Yeah. So we quickly learn that her name is not Caroline. It's echo. And again, I mean, we've seen enough shows like, all right, is this a twin? At the, right. If we were watching this for the first time now, we might think, oh, is this another clone show? But but right, of course, right. Orphan Black, you know, was still seven, probably seven years away when, when yeah. in this era. Well, maybe not seven, but but you get the idea. So right. uh, I, I don't think I questioned ever that it was anything but the same girl. Um, and that's but now I'm probably thinking, well, maybe because we know she was making some kind of deal she was really reluctant to make. So maybe then I'm probably thinking at this point that this is the deal that she made somehow. Right. But I'm, I yeah. guess I'm thinking like she seems so relaxed in this role, you know, which we learn really is a, maybe not a role, but more accurately a persona. Her name is echo right. that we learn from the young and do all, tech guys have to be smart asses apparently well, they do. it is yeah it, it, it is kind of a uh, uh i guess a common cliche in in shows like this where yeah like the the tech guy is is a you know smart aleck nerdy guy right that we you know when she went to topher's office later we see he's kind of got his little toys about him in his office and it's so so yeah Right. And Fran Kranz, who who plays Topher, I mean, he's really wonderful. You know, it's right away. You're really drawn to his character. And, and I think you're, you're almost reluctant to want to make a connection with him because you kind of see he's kind of a jerk. Well, that's a funny thing, because as I'm watching this, my son comes in and he said, well, what's going on? And so I explained the basic premise. He's like, so is the dollhouse good or bad? And I'm like... You know, buddy, <laughs> that's a good question. You know, it's like, because Topher, like you said, is a very likable character, but his kind of careless, carefree attitude towards the actives is problematic. Like he's so wrapped up in the tech and the science of it. He has no, absolutely zero consideration whatsoever of the morality of what he's doing or how ethical it is, which is not moral and is not ethical at all but he sees it it's like well like you know i guess the, what the, the the line they try to feed themselves is that 
we're doing good. You know, we're, this is a service that people like. And so that's what they tell themselves, right? That, that this is a good thing somehow. Um, but, uh, you know, even in this episode, there are strong suggestions that it's not so great, maybe. Well, well, right. And it's not like a show, say, like Humans or, you know, any of a number of shows that are exploring artificial intelligence where, you know, the, the tech people and, and certainly, you know, the peripheral people, they, they don't treat the AIs as human, you know. So, but like with Topher, it's almost like you said, he's so wrapped up in the tech that he doesn't acknowledge the humanity of the individuals he's dealing with who are, in fact, human. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and certainly they they they're very kind to them. They speak softly and kindly to them. They you know, there's nice facilities there. Um, as Topher points out, they're they're happy because they're they're blank slates, right? So there's nothing to them for them to be upset about or anything, except for when you walk into an office and you see someone hooked up to tons of electrodes, obviously in pain. You know, but other than that, right now. Um, you know, so, so I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say they've got a lot to cover in this episode. So when she returns and, you know, we see that first encounter with Topher, you know, she's lying back in that chair and we learn that she's having her mind wipe and things are starting to make sense uh, what's being done. And I, and I think they did a really good job showing us what the mind wipe really is all about because we see the past few days of her date with the birthday boy kind of flash by but then we also get a few snippets from right, events yes, I was about to say right clearly from her childhood and just a few but then well maybe not from her childhood but from there's something else in there that's clearly not part of the, her most recent memories right because it shows her with a child correct and then it shows her, like well and then she's like reaching down into a uh a crib right right so it's i don't know if it's her childhood or or what it is but it's clearly you know something that was not a part of the party girl adventurous you know riding the motorcycles uh personality that she just got wiped right but we really don't know where it came from i mean that's the no. whole thing it, it, it's right like, right right you know uh, it takes us back to that original conversation that Caroline has with DeWitt when she mentions a clean slate never really being clean because there are always artifacts that are still there. And and so we don't know at this point whose artifacts, whose memories are those really. And Topher, again, as you uh, alluded to a few minutes ago, you know, he's supremely confident. He tells Boyd that, oh yeah, the wipe was successful. And, yeah. I love how they set Boyd up. It's almost as if he's the conscience of the show. You know, I mean, at one sure. po- at one point he even asks, "What are we playing?" Right. And right. you know, we we do learn that he's new to the dollhouse. We don't really know his background yet, but whether well, he was a cop, oh, they, do, they do, do we learn that already? Dominic does say something about him being a cop. Yeah. Okay. After Topher tells Boyd that the the wipe was successful, though. You know, that's when Boyd brings up the fact that if anybody found out about this place, we'd all go to prison. So, you know, right. it, it's just that that one piece of dialogue that lets us know, okay, I mean, we, we pretty much can sense that what's going on here is probably not legal. But again, I mean, we don't have a, a clear picture of 
the society at large. So, right. you know, I mean, well, it seems like from what we've seen, it doesn't seem much different than our world from, you know, from her, you know, being on the motorcycle and then, uh, the whole, uh, kidnapping thing. You know, it's not like some kind of apocalypse out there or anything. It's not right. some super futuristic society. It's, you know, it's about, you know, our time. Right. And then, you, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago the, the scene about seeing somebody hooked up with a, electrodes in pain, because then we see Echo stumbling. And when I say stumbling, I mean, she's not physically stumbling. She's just not supposed to be in there. A room in which Sierra, played by Deichen Lockman, who... A lot of us know as Anya from The Hundred and uh, also uh, Ji Yang from Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's undergoing some sort of a procedure that clearly appears to be painful. And, and, and I think. Yeah, they're turning her into someone who gets killed in every show she is a part of. Well, <laughs> good point. <laughs> but uh, you know, at this point, Topher basically, I, I guess, gives us the impression that this is her first. I mean, it's not really a treatment in the sense of right. the, the treatment. Right, because, that, yeah, yeah, because they just when they get their treatment, they just kind of ease back and they have the thing around their head that lights up. And um, here she's hooked up to all kinds of electrodes and everything. It's definitely something different. Right. And he, I think he mentioned something about mapping, you know, so so this is apparently her first time at the dollhouse and, and this is her initial uh whatever consult or whatever but, but, but yeah but all this stuff looks like it's freaking painful right like he says when he puts her down for the treatment he's like this is going to pinch and then it looks like it does more than pinch a little bit like they're in pain physical pain when this happens so that's like even this early on i know i was wondering like how many times do they do that to these people that you know it just seems like you know it's it's that freaking hurts a lot you know like so right, and, um, and I mean, will there be residual effects? The more times they have personalities imprinted and then wiped, right? But after- it's like, and, and, I'm sorry. No, go but, ahead. Uh, yeah, well, that's what you know. Topher's whole thing is like the brain is just like this, like a machine, like any other machine, and that it's really easy to like this stuff. And he's so, as you said, supremely confident in in his tech, but. The brain is not like that. It's an organic thing. It's a living thing that grows and changes and everything. You know, I don't, for him to be so like, you know, carefree about what it does to the, the, um, the actives is, is crazy, you know, like that, uh, you know, it's, it's not as simple as Topher seems to make it out to be. Yeah. And then, you know, we get our, our, our last look at, I guess the dollhouse living conditions, because after her engagement, Echo's been wiped, and then we see the other dolls in a communal shower, and then we see after the showers, all the dolls retire to their sleeping chambers, which are kind of recessed in the floor, and and they're all they you know they have like I think there's about six of them sort of in a, a circle there. Uh, they lie in there, the little the, the kind of window over top closes, and wow, and we're thinking like okay. This is pretty freaking weird. Yeah, I would not be good with sleeping in there. Oh yeah, my I'm, gosh, I'm no. Meat. I'm at, at least I don't know if I'm like actually claustrophobic. But I'm certainly, uh, I think at least enough like every other is that sleeping in a place that enclosed would not be cool. Uh, when I had an MRI on my back, I, I at first I told the guy, "Dude, you got to pull me out." 
And he's like, well, let me put some music on and, you know, give, let's see if he can take it a few more minutes. And, you know, I, I, fortunately I made it, but all right. Well, anyway, the other story we want to talk a little bit about it. And yeah, just really quickly, how long did you have to be in there to get that MRI? It was probably about 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So I, I had got one on my leg and he was like, it's going to be like 35 to 40 minutes. I'm like, what? <laughs> but I, of course I didn't have to go all the way under. I was just, you know, like just my leg went in, so it wasn't as bad. Right. But be that as it may, I think I clearly am claustrophobic and, and would, <laughs> yeah. So now, now we, we mentioned the fact that the police are onto the dollhouse and how much they're on, we don't know yet, but Detective Paul, actually he's called Agent Paul Ballard. And, and I'm not sure if we know what agency uh, he, he's actually uh, with at this point, do we? Um, do they say something about FBI when he's being kind of taken to the mat by that, that dude? Right. But, you know, we often talk about the know. first lady of sci-fi. Well, Tamo Pennicott, I mean, yeah. what sci-fi show has he not been in? No, he's he's been in, in, in a lot of them, that's yes. for sure. So he plays Agent Paul Ballard. He's awesome. And we learned that he's been assigned to Project Dollhouse. But what's interesting is as he's meeting with his superiors, it seems as if he's been assigned it as a joke, right? As yeah. that, that they kind of acknowledge that the dollhouse might exist, but it's almost like they've sent him out on a snipe hunt. Yeah. Well, or yeah, like definitely uh, it doesn't, doesn't seem like they take, uh, take it seriously at all. The, the people who are kind of yelling at him, uh, it, or on the other hand, you know, like, you know, as he says later, or that, um, you know, that someone takes it seriously enough, though, that, uh, you know, that he's still here and, and doing it, and that someone thinks there's something up here with the uh, with the dollhouse enough to continue the investigation. Right. So somebody above them, if it was up to them, it, it's almost as if it was up to them, they'd let him keep making a fool of himself in their eyes, but they're really just letting him know and, and certainly us know that as you said there's somebody else that thinks this is, this is worth pursuing they do seem to have an idea of what the dollhouse is supposed to be and i'm wondering how they know that and then the fact that ballard states that the only way to imprint a new consciousness on a person is to remove the old one and okay how does he know that i mean if, if he right. hasn't been to the dollhouse how does he know this right he's well, you know, at, I don't know if we're going to jump to the end yet, but, you know, we see a guy sitting there watching a, a video of Caroline when she was still Caroline and putting a picture into a, an envelope marked Paul Ballard. Yes. Yes. And, and so whoever this guy is, you know, is maybe the guy who is, maybe he's feeding Ballard information about the dollhouse. Okay. And we'll leave that at that because that is a... Something we don't want to. I, I, I'm not stepping outside of the the episode here, Dave. I'm I'm staying clearly within the parameters of of the episode. And you did a, you did well. All right, so I did uh, right. There's nothing. There's nothing I just said. I know that is that that is you couldn't gather from what what you saw in uh, in the vi the visuals in this episode. So. Yep. All right. Now the other thing we see with Ballard is that he's tracking 
a Russian mobster played by Enver. Yo- I think it's pronounced Yokel. I, I, you know what? I, I don't think it's pronounced Yokel. Jokal. I'm not sure. I can't, you know what? I it, knew there's it. There's a lot of consonants in that name. When Michael and I were covering Agent Carter, I knew how to pronounce it, and I, you know, I think I got cocky. It's like, oh yeah, I remember. But he's actually born in California, though. Like his, <laughs> of course. Like seriously, he I, was. I believe you. Like his, I think I read his dad is Albanian or something like, but his mother's American. So, but yeah, that is, that is one Eastern European name right there. But he's looking for information about the dollhouse. And so does he think there's a connection with the Russian mob? You know, apparently he thinks if there's not a connection directly, they might know how to point him in the right direction. You know, he roughs this, roughs him up a little bit, but. You know, for the most part, he just leaves him alone, lets him, you know, want you to know I'm in town. So, right. Well, he also, he's wants information from the guy, right? Right. He, he wants him to find out because the Russian mob apparently is into human trafficking. And so he wants to, he thinks that they are then running bodies to the dollhouse. So, which, which, you know, kind of goes against what we've seen because the first thing we see is DeWitt giving Caroline the choice to join the dollhouse. Like this is your, it's not something you're forced into. So, you know, they didn't, you know, pluck her off the street. You know, it was someone who's in trouble who needs help and said, well, we'll offer you the help in return for your willing participation in in this thing. Right. But we don't know what the consequences are if she turns down DeWitt's offer. Well, I'd, pretty sure she took DeWitt's offer. Well, oh yeah, I agree, but I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, like what, what happens if she does it? Right, right, right. Right, right. So, all right. So that then leads us to, I guess you'd say the primary focus, although anytime you've got a pilot episode, as we've said on a number of occasions on this podcast is you've got a lot to do. And, and that's why I think Whedon did this so masterfully because he, he was able to weave so much information and in, so much exposition yet still have time for an actual episode. And that is of course the kidnapping engagement. Right. So, so, we, so we learned this. But actually, I just saw something in my notes just before we get there though, real quickly yeah. about Paul Ballard before we leave him for right now. So, you know, while he's being taken to the mat by these guys, whoever they are, you know, we see him literally be taken to the mat in a, a scene where he's, uh, you know, fighting, in, you know, like ultimate fighting another guy. And we see him getting the, the you know, the snot beaten out of him. And then, you know, the guy says in the, in the interview, he's like, so are you going to back off on this one? And then it, it then cuts to the to the fight where after he's been knocked down, he gets up and then he turns around and knocks out knocks out the other guy. And so clearly, you know, that is meant to show us that here is not a guy who backs off or gives up. Right. Right. Yeah. Here's a guy who no matter how much he gets beaten on, he's still going to. You know, he's he's still going to keep going, uh, even though he says, "Yes, I'll back off." We know, obviously, from what they just showed us, that that ain't happening. Right. All right. Well, the kidnapping engagement revolves around a wealthy businessman who's had his daughter kidnapped. Instead of going to the police, he goes to the dollhouse for a negotiator, right. and Dewitt assures him that they're going to provide whatever he needs. But she does mention that he not tell the active where she came from because that would confuse the issue. So, 
you know, and, and we learn in in the course of this situation what it is she's talking about because this guy just can't resist making little comments, right? That do Which confuse you, her. You know, like why did you go to the dollhouse then? He seems like kind of you know like really like well yeah you won't remember yeah you know, like he's like laughing at her and scoffing at her and being derisive and everything. It's just like well that why on earth did you go to the dollhouse for help rather than just getting help from like a normal negotiator. Right. Now, yeah. like virtually every kidnapping of this type, don't go to the police. Well, okay. Right. So, so he I'm didn't go sure, to the police. Right. I'm sure there's other people out there who aren't the police who could do the job here. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, granted, I know we need the story and everything. It's just set up, but you know, like, I guess I'm being nitpicky and saying it doesn't make sense that he would, on the one hand, would go to the dollhouse, but then what afterwards be dismissive and condescending toward the active that they yep. sent. Yep. Now we're also introduced in this scene to the head of security at the dollhouse, Mr. Dominic, played by Yeah, Reed, my man Reed Diamond. Yeah, who plays Daniel Whitehall on Agents of Shield. And again, he was also in Much Ado About Nothing, as was Fran Kranz, who plays Topher. Uh, as was uh, Amy Acker, who we haven't talked about yet. We'll get to right. her in a little bit, who plays so who Dr. Did, Saunders. who did uh, Reed Diamond play in uh, Much Ado About Nothing? Ah, which is a movie, obviously, I really need to see. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying this because his bread and butter is playing like a-holes. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, back when he was actually, because, like, one of the earliest shows he was on was Homicide Life on the Street. And he played a character that I really liked, but then by the end of the, the series was kind of turning into an a-hole, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and then ever since then, every time I see the guy, he's playing an a-hole. So uh, maybe I said that too much so far to take. We might get the uh, get the uh, the explicit label slapped on us, but, uh, you know, it's true. So, but I like Reed Diamond as an actor, and actually he does kind of play that, that role pretty well, you know? Right, but it, I guess what's fascinating, already in this one episode, he comes across that way, but then when you really examine what it is he's saying, it's he's not wrong. Well. And that's why he's the head of security. And that's why he's good at what he does, apparently. Exactly. So he, you know, oh, I see he's on designated survivor right now. Oh. Um, so, I mean. Whatever that is. You haven't, you'll know that? No. I mean, I haven't watched it. It's the, the um, uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, sure. okay. I got you. Where he's like the, uh, you know, there's like some terrorist attack, I think. And he's the president now. He becomes president. Yeah. Even he wasn't like the vice president. He was someone further down and everything. So, um, so yeah, Rosman. you're right. Yeah. Right. No, that, that'd be cool if that was his name. You know, you're right because, you know, he's, well, we see him as in direct contrast to, to Boyd, right? Because he's going to make the decision that's just like, this is what's best to kind of cover our asses, right, and get us out of this messy situation. Whereas Boyd is like, no, we got to go help the girl, right? And, and Dominic is more like a very cold-blooded decision maker, whereas you know Boyd is you know go, you know he rolls from the heart a little bit, right? But I and, and I think that's great the way Whedon has set up, you know, the the counterpoint of those two characters. But I think at the end of the day they both want the same thing and, and that's they want the active to be brought back to the dollhouse in one piece. 
I think they're just coming at it from different approaches. Like you said, Boyd has what appears to be a heart for his uh, his active, which is Echo, as opposed to Dominic, who comes across you know cold and calculating, and we can't let the dollhouse be found out. And and you know, but at the end of the day, he he wants them back safely. Well, he wants the active back safely, but we don't really get a feeling that that's because of a you know intense concern for the well-being of the active it seems like it's more like you know so we don't get found out kind of thing we need the active back okay but are they property you know what i mean it's it's, it's almost like you don't want your you know this is a functioning piece of the business that you know we want it to be intact because it makes us money so, well, we'll find out. I mean, uh, we're, we're, this is one episode in, but you know, we, we briefly see Echo back at the dollhouse and instead of heading for a massage on her knee, which we assume results from that spill on the motorcycle, you know, this is where we're introduced to Dr. Saunders played by Amy Acker, who also is in person of interest, which is a show I don't watch. I've seen the pilot and, you know, it was good. I just, just never got into it, but right. Right away, she's taken from being on her way to get the massage on her knee to undergoing a treatment that transforms her into the negotiator. And yes, right. And, and you know, along, you know, we see the battle, as we said, between Boyd and Dominic. His only job, Boyd, that is, is to protect Echo. And then we see her arrival at the man's house, and she is. Eleanor Penn. And and that's one of the things that we've really learned to accept in, in this first episode of The Dollhouse is that when they have this new personality imprinted on them, they are that person. They're not pretending to be. They right. are. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, so there's just one th- more thing I want to say about Dr. Saunders before that goes away is that you know, Dr. Saunders says, Echo, do you want a massage? And of course, every male sci-fi fan at the same time immediately stood up it's like yes 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 and then she's like okay i'll call one for you like (laughs) so anyway but yes yeah so um but yeah she is uh the um actually probably some females also jumped up and said that same thing at the same time but yeah yeah there's right there's there's 100 percent she is this person and you know we assume that like that, that that this person uh, was it, uh, Eleanor was it? Eleanor Penn Penn, um, like they just took you know someone named Eleanor Penn, downloaded her personality and inserted it into this person. But apparently, there are numerous people whose personalities contribute to you know this character they've created. Right. I mean, we learned that the imprints come from real people, as you just alluded. In fact, Eleanor Penn is not only nearsighted, but she suffers from asthma. And we see her have, you know, a couple of asthma attacks where she has to go to her inhaler, which fortunately she has with her. But then Topher, in the course of this discussion, raises the idea that, well, he could piece together the perfect individual and then going back to what you said at the top of the show, he seems to be so engrossed in the technology, we start to wonder, okay, is this something he's got as a little side project that he's trying to create the perfect whatever? Well, we don't know at this point, but he does raise it, you know? Right. Well, and he says, 
you know, that it wouldn't be realistic. That right, actual exactly. human beings have, you know, positives and negatives. They have strengths and they have weaknesses. And so, you know, just creating someone who was without any kind of weaknesses or negatives would it wouldn't be a realistic person at all. Right. And, you know, once the kidnappers make that first call, you know, we really get a feel for the fact that this is a professional. This is somebody that this, I think she even says, this is my life. This is what I do. And unfortunately, as as the situation goes on, we learn that, yes, it is her life, but it was also her nightmare as a child because she, in fact, was kidnapped, which is something that we later learn Topher didn't know. Now, I guess we, we could ask, well, how could he know it? On the other hand, we could ask, well, why didn't he know it? Shouldn't he have something this serious? Which then begs right. the question, are most of the actives rented out as companions? And I'm making air quotes. Well, you know, it starts off with, you know, with that, with her being uh, the perfect date for a guy and and it's implied strongly that sex was involved with the date but then she's you know now she's a hostage negotiator so you know apparently not everyone goes to the dollhouse for you know quote unquote companions right but i guess that gets back to my point shouldn't tofer have you know really examined what it was that he was imprinting her with and and on the other hand maybe that's just not something that he has access to every little detail of the person's life so again well, something- then, i think i think part of the point is that there's no way to access all these details right it's like i don't know murphy's law maybe or something you know it's just like there's just too many factors like the human brain is not a simple machine and so his arrogant assumption that he can control this whole situation well we already see in episode one that's not the case there's all kinds of things that are slipping through that he doesn't know about here um and well there's even the one scene where when she sees the uh the guy who had kidnapped the personality before she flashes to seeing sierra hooked up the machine. So that's like, that's a flashback to something that's not supposed to be there. That's already been wiped out, right? Well, and that's Caroline, right? That's her. Or Echo. Or, or Echo, right? right? Yeah, Which so, then, but it still begs the question, when we see these little you know, snippets of memories or whatever they are, we just don't know whose they are. Yeah, exactly. So again, which just adds to, the fact that it just pulls you right in. And obviously the exchange goes awry when, when Miss Penn recognizes one of the four kidnappers as, as the man that kidnapped her as a child. But or on the other hand, whoever, well, yeah. right. But, but it enables her to of course solve the case because she knows where he's going to be. But that line, she keeps repeating, you can't fight a ghost. You can't fight a ghost. You know, will will that have added meaning down the road? Sure. We'll see. All right. So now, now see there you're there you're you're you that's you're pulling stuff out. Okay. All right. Now <laughs> we're we're back at the dollhouse and only Boyd recognizes that the only hope of saving the girl is to let Miss Penn stay on the job, but understandably DeWitt and Dominic 
they want to pull her out because as they say, look, we've already got the client in critical condition because he got shot. But I think we were pretty sure he got shot in the shoulder, although you never know. You could hit a... Yeah, all these bad guys in TV always shoot people in the shoulder. Right. But Bunch of softies. So they agree. They don't wipe her. And all of a sudden, she sits up. I know how to find her. Right. Because we think Boyd got there too late because she's, you know, she's lying in the in the thing. And it's the, the chair is like starting to come up. So we're like, oh, man. But then she says, where are my glasses? And we're like, oh, it's still, you know... Eleanor Penn. Yeah, but how awesome is that final scene when, you know, she she basically gets them to turn on each other, which is really what the guy had planned to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, a SWAT team descends on the house. Here's Sierra in full SWAT gear in charge, kills the guy, no questions asked. Kills two guys. Yeah, recovers the money, which apparently is a priority as well. And... There's Echo or Miss Penn, you know, kind of stunned as to what's going on, but she's got the girl, right? I mean, she did her job, right? Yes, at, as yes. as did Sierra. So, right, right, and so we know that she is kind of like not a real person, right? That she's been implanted with this personality, this persona. But yet, as she's walking out of the house and she's holding the girl and she's crying, basically telling her she's okay, that's like this really true human heartfelt emotion, right? Right, right. But she's not, you know, this happened to me. I'm not okay. And and it's, you know, telling her you're going to be okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe she is. Maybe she isn't. But it leads us then back to the dollhouse, Dominic sees this as a win, which of course it is, but you know, his celebration is short lived when DeWitt hands him a folder and asks how we're going to contain this. And all we see is that the file is labeled alpha right. eyes only. Yeah. Okay. Now we could start, I think really at this point, I'm not sure whether I started piecing together, you know, the names. I mean, we've got echo and we've got Sierra, right? But that's all we've got at right. this point, right? And, and now yes. we get Alpha. Well, and Doctor Saunders. And well, yeah, but Alpha I mean, I mean, I mean, the whole oh, I- of the of the actives, the military alphabet. Oh, oh, right. So, yeah. Okay, um, I didn't catch that one, but yeah, right. Good right. call. Right. So you know, this fe- file labeled Alpha Eyes Only, and, and it and it seems to really concern both of them. And then we get to the final scene, which, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast. There's somebody, uh, you know, it's a male, obviously, who's watching a a yearbook video of Caroline outside of her college. And she's, no, she's not. No, he is. Oh, the guy is, right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, she's she's got clothes on. Yeah. The guy watching it doesn't. Right. She's in a good mood. And then he puts that photo, as you said, of Caroline in an envelope addressed to Ballard and written on the back of it is keep looking. And we don't see if he writes anything on the back of the photo. We assume he does. And then as the camera uh, pan, uh, you know, kind of zooms out, we see that there are two dead bodies in the room that this right. man is the one that presumably killed them. And we're like, okay. So, yeah. Violently dead. Cause there's like blood and everything. Oh yeah. So well, we assume this guy did it, but you know, not necessarily. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, it was for me, I, I think I'd, I'd seen this episode twice that this was the third time I've seen it. And, and the first two were easily have to be four to five years ago because I watched it. And then, you know, I talked to my wife into it and, and she really enjoyed, she saw the, the whole series as well. So it had been quite a while since I'd seen it. And, and of course, you know, a lot of it came back immediately, but you know, it, it's these small details that is, as we said at the beginning, it, it's going to, be our challenge to you know bring those out without giving too much away right right so i don't know i think I, we did our right job this first i time think we did as well so yeah but i'm going full-on a i think it was a, as a, a pilot episode i i don't know what else you could ask from a pilot i mean it laid out the exposition it it set up some minor plot points that that are going to become important and then it gave us, uh, you know, a procedural, if you will. And, um, you know, what, what the only thing I kind of saw lacking that I would usually um, look for, especially in a Joss Whedon script, is for it to be a little bit, a little bit more zingy dialogue, I guess, and everything. Well, um, well, I wonder though, you know, because Firefly, which I think is certainly my point of reference for Joss Whedon because Marvel Agents of Shield I mean his name's on the show but it's it's really his brother and Marissa right Tantarone. but he did write the pilot right and so I mean the pilot was very much like a Joss Whedon type episode right, right. but but Dollhouse is not light and y- no, you know you're right. how much snappy dialogue we're gonna have it, sure it's it, it yeah. just uh, but I know it's exactly what you mean yeah, like you, you know, like because I like you know search for like the quote that you know to say at the end and everything, and there were there was some, but there was nothing that really stood out. It's like, oh, that's that's an excellent line right there, you know. So not that it had to be funny, but just you know, like uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was it was good though. Oh, yeah, a a a for sure. Maybe okay. I'll give an A minus actually. I'm I'm not I don't like giving out the full A's. Okay. Um there were some, you know, parts of this where weren't hundred percent. But like I said, I mean, my son sat there and watched uh the second half of it for he didn't even see the first half of it. And uh as soon as it was done, he's like, Are you gonna watch episode two now? I'm like, No, dude, I gotta go. He's like, Well, okay, well I'm gonna eat dinner and I'm gonna watch episode two. Okay. So but- that's what you want out of a pilot, right? Right. And and I just wanna go back to what your son said as well. Is well, is the dollhouse good? Or bad, right? And, and we end up asking that question about virtually everyone in the series at yes. some point, right? So, all right. Well, that's all I've got. Uh, anything else you want to mention before we yeah. close this out? No, I just you know because you, you, I mean, just what you said, good and bad, because we see them doing something good, which is saving the little girl, right? But yeah. we also see how horrible like some of the things are actually pretty terrible that it does so that's actually a fair question is it good or bad and and uh you know that's 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 something we really at this point certainly we can't answer right right all right well i guess that's going to do it for our initial look at dollhouse want to thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about dollhouse or anything else in genre television encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community there Already a member? Spread the word. Bring bring some people aboard. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week to talk about Dollhouse Episode 2 of Season 1, titled The Target. But until then... You know, Dave, I always thought, and this was actually 
I, I read this somewhere that there's nothing good or bad except that thinking makes it so. So, like, think about that. 